Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by Asweatlife.com, on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen. With me, I have Maggie Umberger and Cindy Kuzma. Morning, Gina. Good morning, Gina. Morning. Maggie, you talked to Scott Hobson this week, right? I did. I spoke with Scott Hobson, and he has a lot of roles, which I'll try to give you in the upfront here, but he will do a better job of talking about the many companies that he has started, and from his career trajectory, he's been a personal trainer. He has coached coaches. He still loves to coach people on how to help other people achieve their goals. He is the founder, co-founder of PTA Global, as well as Pivotal Coaching. But essentially what he does is he helps people move better, whether that is individuals or people within big gyms or at really, really large conferences and for fitness professionals across the world. He's been to 40 countries to teach. He's also an author, a writer, and a speaker. And I was so lucky to get to talk to him about his goals, of which uh, he has many. But he also failed big once, right, Maggie? I didn't realize this. I didn't know this until we were talking for this interview, but he was kicked out of high school and he kind of tossed it out there. And I was honestly shocked because he has done so many things. He's the co-founder of Pivotal Coaching, which is a worldwide coaching business now. And I was honestly surprised because he is so accomplished. He's so well-spoken. He is so driven. But I, I learned that he did get kicked out of high school and it took something for him to realize that in order to turn his life around he needed to find the thing that made him feel like he was in flow is what he calls it and when he feels like he's in flow he knows he's doing the right thing and the only thing that that he felt that kind of sensibility around was when he was with his rugby team and when he was being coached by his coaches like he felt like he was at home and he wanted to do that more and so he wanted to do that in any capacity he could so he became a personal trainer and he kept going back to school he kept learning more and his fervor for learning more about human movement and just how people behave around fitness it's a much broader topic for him than just like what happens in a coaching session and he's really turned that enthusiasm is what he calls it like this spirit for understanding how people move into his lifelong career which is a huge leaps and bounds away from getting kicked out of high school years ago and I mean he feels like it's really important to coach the humans who are doing the movement and not actually coach the movement which is an interesting semantic issue. It's like an interesting word choice. What does he mean by that? And how does that kind of fit into his overall philosophy? So Scott has the wherewithal to know that what happens in the gym is only a tiny part of your day. And he knows that as long as you just throw anatomical cues at people, it's going to go over their head. They have to find their why. And so he's become really, really passionate about helping other coaches learn how to speak to people, to meet them where they are, and to really influence and inspire change for people on a greater level than just going through the motions of a program of going through the workout like we say this all the time at a sweat life is like that fitness can be the catalyst to you living your best life and that what happens in the gym can absolutely affect your life outside the gym if you let it if you want it to and he has started to focus a lot of the the training and the the protocols within pivotal coaching around uh, human behavior and how does how can what coaches do in your training session influence 
how that training session goes. It's so much more of an emotional thing than just a physical thing, which is interestingly a, a large part of the conversation that we had was just about how connected to his own emotional well-being he is like when he's not in flow as I was saying he knows it and he needs to make a change and that's what happened when he was director of a really really large facility that he still is incredibly involved with and he loves it very much but when he was doing a role that he could do but he felt a little more stressed by being in it 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 was apparent to him that he needed to make a change and that he could be better, a better asset in a different capacity so that when he could actually get back to working with people, for people and helping really like his passion is working with coaches, then he could really feel in flow, do better work, help people on a greater scale. And so that's been his guiding force is like getting within the process, like finding the joy, finding the payoff in the process is what he says, not just that end goal of whatever the thing he's trying to accomplish gets checked off the list. It's about feeling the way he needs to feel all along the way. What an incredible story of overcoming obstacles and finding your true path. I can't wait to hear Maggie talk to Scott. And stick around. At the end of the episode, we're hearing from you, listeners. Girl, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm Thank you so much for joining me, Scott, on the We Got Goals podcast. I'm excited. We're excited to have you. So, Scott, for the listeners at home, I know that you do a lot of jobs and that they Mm -hmm. probably sometimes overlap, sometimes they're different. You are a one-on-one coach, you're a group coach, you have managed big facilities, you also coach on a global scale, and you're a founder of a couple companies. Mm -hmm. For the listeners, can you give a little brief description of I know you have said, what do you do on a daily basis is different, but how you spend your days and what your general title is. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, I mean, the single biggest thing right now is I'm a co-founder of Pivotal. We're a development company and our mission is really simple, is to empower people to fulfill their potential. And our clientele, if you will, is anyone that has a passion for movement. So what I do on a daily basis could be considered coaching, one-on-one groups, teams, from everyday people at our health clubs, to Olympic level teams. Uh, I work with all of them. But my real passion is teaching, and you could say I coach the coaches. So what I travel the world doing, uh, I think I've been to about 40 different countries now, is I coach coaches on how to be a better coach. And we can talk later about what that includes, maybe. Mm -hmm. But then I also consult, having been an operator for 20 years, building health clubs, big beautiful sports resorts all around the world. I know what it takes to actually build facilities, operate facilities, manage people, sales, marketing, membership, and on it goes. So, but ultimately I think it all comes down to coaching. I'm in uh, the people industry, and my job is to build meaningful relationships, and I think that's what coaches do. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of, on any given day, one of those is what I'm doing, or all of those is what I'm doing. That's fascinating, not only the the breadth of what you do, but the depth to which you do it. So mm. like you're talking about working on the, the business side of the athletic club and building out a club and then also building out an amazing coaching staff and helping people become better coaches and then helping individuals also reach their fitness goals. I mean, it's just, it runs the gamut. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Did you start as a personal trainer? Yeah, in terms of professionally, that was the first kind of real professional job I had. But I've been in the movement industry my whole life. And in reality, it's, it's the, the only thing that's really kept me sane through, you know, life's adventures <laughs> that don't always start out the way you want them to. 
But that one kind of bedrock of always connecting to why I'm here has been either playing sport, coaching sport, moving, coaching people, something to do with this idea of I'm here to move and I'm here to help people to move, not just physically, but towards their dreams in life, you know? So 1998 was when I became a personal trainer and fitness instructor in the UK, in London. Mm -hmm. But it immediately, it, the minute I was in the industry, I knew like, this is only part of what I want to be doing here. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, I went back to school to become a physical education teacher. Which is a problem when you get kicked out of high school at 15. Um, <laughs> Wait like, a minute. Should we go back and ask about that? <laughs> there would need to be some whiskey in the room. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy that, yeah, I, I didn't even graduate high school at 15. I, got, I left. And then when I realized, oh, I probably should have stuck around. I was 24, 25. And I decided I want to go back and be a coach and a physical education teacher. Small problem is you you got to graduate high school first. So believe it or not, I was a twenty five year old in school with a bunch of teenagers. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's where it started for me. Actually, I mean, I answer it that way because that's where it started was the realization that I needed to do something different with my life. Um, and I found out pretty quick that it was in this area of movement and coaching. That was my only real love in life was playing sport and being coached. So like, how do I do that? Okay, I got to go to university. How do you do that? You got to graduate high school problem big <laughs> problem mm -hmm. so I had to go back in order to go forwards and then it's been a just like a unbelievable journey since then of just exploring all the possibilities in this industry you know and it's multiple industries it's not just fitness it's not just performance it's wellness it's it's all of it really you know oh yeah I mean and it's a huge world and it can feel mm. it seems like you have this outlook that is just like wide-eyed and excited versus daunted, you know, because there, because you talk about there being so many facets to movement and to mm. health and wellness that I, I can get intimidated by, you know, where do I spend where my time? What begin? to learn? Oh my God, there's so much to learn. There is. But based on kind of what, what I've seen and how you have grown your career, you've just gone after the things you wanted to go after and then created your career based on what excites you that's probably quite accurate actually uh, for me we always talk about passion but i've kind of shifted i think passion's a good thing if you ain't got it it's too darn hard to do anything you know <laughs> but um for me it's become more enthusiasm and it sounds like semantics but that word when you're enthusiastic about saying like you're it literally means to be in spirit right it means to be the payoff is in the process mm -hmm. i think you've got to passionately follow what you where the payoff is on the in the process whatever that is in your life that like burning desire to mm -hmm. do something just because the act of doing it is the payoff mm -hmm. and that's really sums up my career is every few years there seems to be another door opens or something says no you should take a left here when mm -hmm. my best laid plans said take a right mm -hmm. but something in me says no you you're supposed to follow that at least a lot of failure a ton actually but if you're enthusiastic, you know, it's the saying about enthusiasm, man. It's the ability to just keep falling on your face and not care anyway. <laughs> That's a big part of enthusiasm. Well, I think that kind of transitions to the, the question that we ask on We Got Goals is what's one big goal that you're really proud mm. to say you've accomplished and wow. how did you get there? Wow. That's, um, I knew you was going to ask it, <laughs> and it's surprisingly difficult to answer, right? Because you don't want to sound trite or have too much levity, but the reality is there's two things that always stand out. One is 
one of the companies I'm a founder of is PTA Global, Personal Training Academy Global. And we launched that out of nothing. And we literally traveled the world, me and my five brothers who, who created it, not biological brothers. And we asked every health club we'd worked with in 40 different countries, what are your problems, what are your pains? And we built a personal training certification to answer their problems, not just on whatever we thought was the, the best way to train. We actually tried to build something on what people needed rather than what we thought. And then we went out and we recruited 26 of the best educators in our industry, many of whom we were told they won't even be in the same room as each other. They got conflicting opinions, philosophies, they argue. We got them all in the same room to write PTA Global. All of them in the same room. And we launched it in 2009, which was the worst economic wow. time. Little did we know what was coming. And we're now in like 35, 40 countries, you know. And it all just came from uh, sharing a common purpose. You know what I mean? That drive, that desire to do something. So that, that stands out professionally as the best thing I've done with my career so far is hmm. to truly just go all in. We all quit our jobs with salaries and blah, blah, blah. And we just threw all our chips in and said, it's this or nothing. Mm -hmm. Just once we have to try and do the right thing rather than do things right. And it cost us everything we had. You know, it, it was really, if we didn't sell, we didn't eat. If it wasn't successful, it was on us. There was no one to blame, no corporate structure, no nothing. It was incredible. And yeah, I would say that's the biggest achievement in my professional career, other than being in it in the first place because it wasn't easy for me to be in it in the first place. You know, I talked about getting kicked out of school and uh, I had to go back to the college and I was the first person in my entire family history that's ever done anything outside of high school. And I think just having to pave your own way, you know what I mean? In spite of life's willingness to say you can't do it. Where did you learn that? Where do you think that drive comes from or that just openness to enthusiasm and mm. willingness to lean into it? Truthfully? I think for me it was not just failing a lot, but really discovering who I wasn't first. I think some people, it's wonderful, they seem to have the playbook, they come with it, like, oh, this is what it is to be a good person, or this is what it is to follow your dreams. Or, that wasn't my experience. My experience was a lot of failure and a lot of pain and a lot of working out who I wasn't first. Mm -hmm. And then finally when you hit enough bottoms, you say, holy crap, I, I gotta change something. The second part is you can't do it alone. I, I've been very blessed to have people that showed up right on time when I needed help. Hmm. And so I think surrounding yourself with uh, the people that you hope to become, you know what I mean? I mean, truly, like looking at people who think, I don't know what it is you have, but I want that. Whether it's their, their spiritual fitness, whether it's their ability to be kind, whether it's their ability to be successful in business, like you clearly have something I don't or I lack or I'm unable to see. I should probably surround myself with people like you and try and learn it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was really those two ingredients. And then the third one is what I said, that burning desire. Like I just, for me to pick up a book and study coaching or movement or isn't a drudge, it's, it's a joy, you know what I mean? It's when I'm bored, it's the first thing I wanna do is, wow, I'd love to learn more about behavioral change or wow, how did that Olympic coach win it for the you know, fourth year in a row, mm -hmm. whatever. I'm, I'm fascinated with not just human movement, but the human being inside it. And so I think when you're fascinated, the, the, the curiosity, that's the word, curiosity. Yeah. You've got to have a relentless curiosity for whatever you're passionate about. Yeah. You know? It's, absolutely. Um, and did PTA Global come about, you said you visited countries, you said you visited the big clubs that you've worked with and mm. answered some of their 
their problems or their needs. Was it also an equal part you finding those extra elements that you were excited about, like what's inside a human being and how can we help yeah. them feel their their best while they're working out? Those little nuances, did that kind of come together as the marriage? Is that what PTA Global is? A hundred percent, yes. It's one thing, if you're going to solve a problem, you've got to first know what the problem is. And the key to getting clarity is to ask better questions, right? If you keep asking the same question, <laughs> doesn't matter mm -hmm. no matter how many ways you phrase it so part of the, the fascination was what are the real problems of our industry because we've got like 300 times more education than we've ever had we've got more gyms and health clubs than we've ever had and we've got more billions of dollars invested in health and wellness than we've ever had yet we've got less human beings moving than at any time in human history we've got more disease and disability and dysfunction at any time in human history and believe it or not we have the first generation of youth with a lower life expectancy than their parents if that don't make you wake up, like our kids are scheduled to die younger than we are, it's supposed to be the opposite. Like we've, we're keeping old people alive longer and sicker and younger people are dying sooner with more sickness. So part of it was that, like we've got to solve this problem. But the other part was, wow, I've got to go find something that maybe isn't there or I've got to find the missing link. There's that journey of discovery, right? Mm -hmm. And it, the merging of that and then the, the guys that we did it with, the guys and girls we did it with, geniuses in their respective fields nutrition behavioral change movement anatomy whatever it is and so to actually go to each of these leaders and get their take on how to answer that mm -hmm. it was you don't get many opportunities in life to do that so right here are the problems let's go speak to the world's best and find out how they might solve it and then bring it back to the people who asked for it that right. really was the journey so uh for the listeners at home what what does PTA Global do, or what does that certification earn you? Couple of things. One, if you grew, if you woke up today as a fitness enthusiast and said, "Man, I would love to become a professional coach, a personal trainer, a fitness professional," you have to get legally certified. Now, you can do it the right way or the wrong way. The wrong way is you can go online, do some swipe your finger, take an exam, and call yourself professional. Or you can go study, whether it's six, nine, 12 months programs, some of them are two years, actually study the human body, anatomy, kinesiology, program design behavior. And then you have to sit for like a national exam and there's a practical and, and a written. One of those companies is PTA Global. We created a brand new approach to becoming a globally certified fitness professional. So if you take our course, whether you're in Dubai, London, Amsterdam, you are legally certified anywhere in the world to practice in this profession so that's kind of a big deal it's very much a behavioral change approach we say when you find the why you find the what everyone's got a what weight loss weight gain whatever it is until i find the why the chances are we're not going to get you there mm -hmm. so that's how our philosophy is meeting people where they need to be met um, and then we have advanced curriculums one of them is called exercise and stress management we are nothing but a bunch of cells that get stressed on a daily basis and how I move today is as much to do with my nutrition, my sleep, my emotions as it is my posture and flexibility, you know? Mm -hmm. So we can go on a very deep journey with you. And then that leads into Pivotal, my, my company now, which is our passion is to travel the world and connect those dots with the operator, with the product manufacturers, with the educators, with the certification bodies. We work with all of them to, to, to bring people together, to connect dots. So we travel the world, me and Haley creating partnerships between global leaders, delivering education for these people, creating education for them. But one of our biggest passion is to, to teach their teachers. So when you're in a room of 
a hundred coaches, you're really touching hundreds of thousands of people, right? Sure. But when you're in a room of 50 teachers, you're touching exponentially more. Mm-hmm. So that's what Pivotal does is we've, we've kind of gone even bigger, is how do we touch the most people to empower them to fulfill their potential? Whether it is the club operator, whether it is the coach, whether it is the educator. And then that, that was really the, the birth of Pivotal, was to take everything I'd learned from PTA Global and kind of go one layer deeper, hmm. which is really connecting people. I can't think of one single movement in human history that hasn't come from those first followers finding their fanatical fans and creating connections and, and on it goes. So that's, that's kind of our, our yeah. gig now, you know? Yeah. So this conversation that is generally focused on goals is interesting to me, I think, to ask this question about how you've worked with people in the fitness world, in the fitness mm. realm, about how to tap into what, you know, their why by them articulating their what and then kind of going through the behavior change process to get them to meet their goals. And how has that potentially shaped the way you view goals? Mm. Utterly, completely. You know, one of my most important words to me, one of my most important values is authenticity. Like, sometimes I feel like saying no experience, no opinion, you know? Like, how can you coach someone, one-on-one, personal training or in small group, large group, and hope to not only inspire, but guide them to transformation. Because really, everyone's looking for a transformation. No one wants to be what they are. You want to be more than you are. You want to be the best version of yourself you can. So if I'm going to coach you, my job really is to create an environment for you to change yourself. Because I can't do it. It'd be quite arrogant and ignorant for me to think I can. So behavioral change, this, this, this whole viewpoint is, if I create an environment for you to change yourself, that affects how I communicate to you, how I listen, do I have empathy? Can I be a GPS because you come in today and you're, you're stressed, you've had 15 coffees, you didn't eat, didn't sleep, you busted up with your partner. Okay, that changed our program like instantly. How do I create on demand based mm-hmm. on your behavior? Yeah. So what that does authentically as a coach for me, it says, man, am I applying that to myself? Am I applying that to my business relationships? Am I listening when I'm speaking to my partners? Am I willing to maybe consider the possibility that they don't have any other point of view, but it might actually change mine. That's empathetic listening is, I'm gonna listen at a level where I actually might realize I'm wrong. You know how hard that is as a personal trainer? Because we always think we're right. Don't eat this, do eat that, stop doing that, go to bed on time. Okay, you just told them to change their whole life and you're there for maybe three hours a week out of 168. So you're like 2% of their life, but you've asked them to change 100% of their life. Mm-hmm. That seems a bit, drastic mm-hmm. and you're not there to pick up the pieces because there's going to be a lot of falling pieces when you ask someone to change everything what if their partner doesn't like that what if it means now when everyone else is eating fried chicken they're saying oh couldn't we have grilled it yeah, but no one else in the family likes grilled so now, and on it goes <laughs> so it's affected everything i do because it makes me stop and go am i applying that same principle to my life uh, is what i'm asking them to maybe consider doing have I considered the choices in my life today or this week? Am I making the next right choice for myself? Mm-hmm. That's authentic. And so when someone says, oh, I come in today, Scott, you know what? I d- no, I didn't stick to my, my nutrition plan. I didn't work out three times this week. Empathy would say, man, I know how that feels. Not, oh, there's no judgment. There's no, like, it's, I know how that feels. Now I might have some more questions. What was your block? What was your break? What do you want to do about it? Mm-hmm. That's shifted 
how I am in my relationships in life, for the most part, is it ain't about me, right? I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> then my script would work. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because the, the world of fitness has, like you said, kind of blown up and, and everyone has a place in it in, mm. and in a really cool way. Like brands are part of it and the different kinds of fitness have become hybrids and people aren't just one thing, we're multiple things. And I think that's an awesome thing that health and wellness has become a little bit more top of mind. But I also think that creates a, a lot more ego about who is right and who is wrong. Right um, and so that. the the idea of taking it back, like maybe I'm wrong is probably very uh, slim to none in, yeah. in, in, the, in the health and wellness yep. world. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes I heard was 2004. It was at a conference I was speaking at, and it was called Meeting of the Minds. And it was like TED Talks back in the day. Every presenter got 20 minutes, and they were leaders in what they did. And it was incredible I got asked to present. I was the new kid on the block. I heard this guy say, I'm pretty sure standing here today after 30 years as a world-class Olympic coach, which he was, and educator, he said 50% of what I'm about to tell you is complete BS. So everyone laughs and he goes, but the real problem is I'm not sure anymore which 50%. And it really struck me as like, that's probably the wisest thing anyone in this room is gonna say all day is, there's what I think is right, and then there's what I know I don't know. And then there's what I don't know I don't know. And in every area of research in every industry, every few years it's like, wow, that changes what we think about technology or medicine. And yet our industry for the most part still wants to practice fitness the way we did 30 years ago, even though what we've learned about the body and the mind and human is dramatically more evolved. So you go into these operators and you see them building clubs the same way they did 30 years ago. You're like, but we, that, if medicine followed that, that would be a problem, right? And so to your point, I think fitness itself needs to be dramatically redefined because fitness just means that you're fit to perform the tasks that you were here to perform. So what is that? You're a mum who wants to pick up a kid. That's different from someone who wants to look better naked. That's different from someone. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the industry itself could really do with redefining a little bit of its purpose, I think. Because we are more wellness, we are more helpful, we should be. I think fitness itself is what could do with a bit of a, a tweak, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So moving forward, as you look down the line, um, whether it's tomorrow kind of goal or mm. 10 years down the line what's what's a big goal that you hope to accomplish I've got too many I think that's okay <laughs> I think for me I, I would love love for us to get rid of names like personal trainer and instructor and I'd love for us to get rid of the definitions of I'm a yogi or I'm a Pilates or I'm a performance we're coaches I, I, I know I keep saying it but we're coaches and what's fascinating about the word is it comes from the 14th century. Like the stagecoach, it was a vehicle of transportation that carries people from where they are to where they're going. And so I always lecture and say, you can be a personal trainer, you can be an instructor, you could, but what people are looking for is to go from where they are to where they want to be, from who they are to, to who they want to become. You're a coach, you're, you're this vehicle of transportation, you know? And you remember your coaches, good and the bad. I think we're bigger than just trainers and instructors. But what I would love to see is if we could all come together to say this is what we agree on, how we coach the human being inside the human body. These are our ingredients for human movement. 
the things about ingredients are you can create infinite different recipes but we've got to agree on the ingredients surely <laughs> a world-class chef can cook all different kinds of cuisines but they know their food they know the ingredients they know their basics and i don't think we have that so if i go into a physical therapy world which i do there's not a lot of respect for the fitness professional if i go into the fitness professional world there's not a lot of, or the personal training world, there's not a lot of respect for the group exercise instructor. You go into mind body and, and there's a complete dissonance between what you do in a, a yoga studio versus what you do in a swimming pool. And I'm like, movement's movement, coaching's coaching. And human beings are human beings, man. I, I would love for us to just have a, a commonality around those basic ingredients. Mm -hmm. I really would. And that's kind of what my journey now of Pivot always about is because I can be in a room with physical therapists looking at movement assessment, joint mechanics, knee pain, back pain. The next day I'm at a conference with 300 people going through small group training. And what they don't understand is I'm actually giving them the same ingredients, just a different recipe. It's absolutely, it blows my mind sometimes that people go, oh yeah, you do the rehab stuff and you do the small group. I'm like, I do movement and coaching. Yeah, well, and from the consumer side of it, like it can be, taxing to go to so many professionals not only for your own dollar that you're just you know doling out to hear the the latest and greatest from this party and then you hear a contradictory thing from another person and then you're like where do I spend my money but it's also yeah. like how you know how do I get better from this injury or how do I actually perform better in this goal that I'm trying to reach fitness wise that can be really hard on the just fitness enthusiast I go back even more, right? The person who's not enthusiastic about it. Right. So you, you, your mum and dad, they say, passed away when, you, when they were 55 and you're 53, 54. You're one year away from the exact age where you might have lost your parents. You're sedentary, you're overweight, you're in pain, you don't move. It's not a lack of information or a lack of education. No more than a per that you need to move. Everyone knows. Exercise is probably a good idea. Going to bed on time, probably a good idea. You pick up the cigarette packet, it's got a picture of death on it with a cross. <laughs> it's, it's kind of very ignorant of us to think that people need more education. They don't. They don't need education. But they haven't found a meaningful and relevant reason to do it that outweighs the reasons not to do it. And so I would suggest that what we need to do as a movement industry is get back to coaching human beings because when you find a way, you find a way. But we just got back from China, here's my example. And it blows my mind. It's one of the hardest places to go and, and travel. I don't speak Mandarin. Very, very, very to know English. Not, sh not that it has to be, but it makes it hard to even get a cup of coffee, let alone eat or move around. Uh, loads of smoking, loads of pollution. Crazy packed busy. But everywhere you go is movement. I'm not lying. There's 80, 90-year-old people just riding bikes. In the middle of a busy cross-section, music's playing. You turn around, someone's just doing Tai Chi. You walk through the nearest park, hundreds of old people dancing, doing pull-ups. And then they drop, no lie, light up a cigarette and get back on their bike. No obesity, I don't see the diabetes. I see people moving in ways that makes them feel good. It's nearly always in a community. They're not doing it alone. Right. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think we need to really look at that part of it is how do people want to move? What's their style of movement? What's emotionally attaching to them? Mm -hmm. Not just physically, but emotionally attaching. And so we put people in boxes, and there's good to that. Chances are they've already had a bad experience. Most people have exercised in their life. Most people have failed at it. 
where it goes all the way back to that crappy gym teacher who told you you weren't good enough. Didn't There's a lot of emotional triggers going on as soon as they walk through the door and they're met by trainers who often are wearing shirts that are three sizes too small. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not the most enticing model of movement. And I think we, we can shift it. it. It wouldn't take too much. Mm -hmm. The shift comes from the neck up, not the neck down. And so our, hope, our biggest goal coming is that Pivotal really, we just would like to leave the world a little bit better than we found it. And so if we could get more people moving more often, that's a win. But more importantly, in ways where the payoff is in the process, they move because it feels good. They move because it emotionally connects them. Not, I have to do it. Mm -hmm. I've got to do it. Or I'm doing it just for an outcome, weight loss, whatever it is. We know that doesn't work. It never has worked. If it does, it's short term. I move because I love to move. Some days I swing in a tennis racket. Some days it's playing rugby. Some days it's lifting weight. I move because I just love to move. I think everyone's wired to move. We just haven't worked out how they want to move. So if, if we were to imagine that I were coming in for a, a first-time coaching session with you mm. and it probably begins a little bit more about the conversation and what's happening neck up versus, all right, let's do this functional movement screening and figure out where your compensations are, uh, what would be some of the questions that you'd ask me as the mm. client to wow. tap into something? Wow, wow, wow. Some, a, reason for be, a reason for moving. I love what you said because let's call that the, the client intake consultation whatever it is there is a movement screen involved there is a nutritional screen involved but it starts with a, a motivational interview and so one of the first questions we're asked would be with questions that you feel comfortable with because if i create emotional insecurity right out of the gate that's what i'm already a threat to you so the first questions can't be too deep or you're immediately thinking i don't know if i like you or trust you why on earth would i tell you that so we even teach you on not just the kind of questions, but the sequencing, the language, all of it. But one of the first things would be, okay, what's the single most important goal you would like to achieve in your time with me? Okay, there's a couple of big words in there. Not all your goals, the single most important in your time with me. Another big question right out of the gate is, what are your expectations of me in the next 60 minutes? Because I need you to know right out the gate, I'm here for you, it's all about you, but I'm accountable, right? If I go to the doctor and they misdiagnose me or prescribe the wrong medicine, I'm holding them accountable. What are your expectations of me? If I got type A directed, I'll like just tell them what to do, make sure I know why we're doing it and that you kick my butt. Okay, you're not a high five kind of guy. So you just told me a lot of information on how to coach her, but someone else might just say, I have no idea where to start. So giving you an entire game plan in 60 minutes is overwhelming, confusing, and the opposite of what you asked for. The only thing I need to give you is the one next thing that if you do it, you're gonna feel like a success. Another question we might ask would be, we get further into the questionnaire and we say one through 10, 10 is most important, one is least important. How important is it that you are successful moving towards your goal? And we don't judge it, and if that's a five out of 10, that's wonderful, why is it not a two? We don't go to how, how can I make it a 10? Why is it not a two? Because you're already thinking that, oh, but it wasn't a two, yeah, so I'm not as, quote, bad as I think. I'm not as behind as I think. Yeah, it was a five, that is important to me. We're reinforcing in your brain with your, your words. Mm -hmm. And you'll get things like, well, it's not a two because if I don't change now, it could be too late. Mm -hmm. It's not a two because I've been waiting too long and my pain's got worse. So they start to unravel the magic. 
But then another question, this will be the last example I'll give you, will be one through 10. 10 is the most confident. One is the least confident. How confident are you you can successfully achieve your goal? And someone says, oh, I'm an eight out of 10. Interesting, because it was only a five out of 10 for importance, but it's nearly a 10 out of 10 on confidence. So you're really confident about a goal that's not that important. Hmm. Or it could be the opposite. You're, it's really important, but I'm not confident. Two completely different people to coach. So it's, we, we literally have an entire script of motivational questions that are based in neuroscience, behavioral change, not just the language, but the sequence. So by the time you get to the end and you do a summary, they say, how did you get all of that out of me? Number two, you clearly listened or, but most important, most important, they say, I just admitted that to myself out loud and another human being. That is the start of the behavioral change, mm -hmm. is getting clear on what you're willing to do and ready to do versus not. So there's no sets and reps, there's no calories, you haven't talked about anything. What's your why? And are you willing and ready to change at this time? Because if you're not, it's a train wreck. And I'd be irresponsible to ask you to do it, quite honestly. What I think is really fascinating about everything that you just outlined and all the questions that you brought up the word goal with, it's those questions could be transitioned from a, a pre-coaching session to a goal setting session for your career for your family, for how you want to, you know, set up your like life at home or whatever it is. It's right. it's like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. And so I think at a sweat life we we do really believe that like what happens in the gym is not just that little box of time in the gym and you leave and you're gone. It's those things that come up in there can can carry out to the rest of your life if you let them um, and it's just about it's supposed to right right <laughs> right it, well and it can in a really positive way if you're open to it and if yeah. you say like oh yeah this small victory I did do this thing that was awesome and I'm gonna go carry it into my meeting at work and I'm gonna do the next thing that's awesome mm. so it's really fascinating and really cool to hear because it is just a conversation around like how do we feel about goals in general yeah and what do I mean by goal is that just the outcome is that the process how will I know when I've got there? Measurably and subjectively. How do I know when I've actually got there? Most goals are subjective. Mm -hmm. I want to be in less pain. I want to feel better. That's a subjective goal. How will we know when, when we're there, when you've arrived? And then finally, how do you want to get there? Are you a the kind of person that says, I've got to get on the freeway, get there as quick as possible? Okay, but then there's the freeway and there's a concrete jungle and there's lots of in and out. No, I'd rather take the scenic route. I'd rather go slow mm -hmm. and take in the sights. So there's where you're going. But then there's how you want to get there. But invariably there's going to be traffic and road work. So as a coach, you've got to be a GPS and recalculate the route, which mm -hmm. for me, in my experience, is every session. You can just see it emotionally in people when you get used to coaching well is something just happened where you stopped enjoying the session. That didn't feel good. Maybe I said something that wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe I didn't listen to something you needed me to listen. I saw something in my client, the entire posture changed. You better recalculate right now. And so for us, we'd say like, you know, most people, what they emotionally care about is outside the gym. There's very little emotional connection to a dumbbell. So yes, in groups, that's different. Don't get me wrong. The, the sense of tribe, community, relationships, being part of something bigger than yourself, agreed. But in one-on-one, -on -one, I would honestly say that most people, what they care about is outside the gym, and they're hoping that what they transform inside the gym makes that better out. That's what they're trying to improve is their life outside the gym. 
the only people who care about their life inside the gym are the people who work inside the gym. Quite honestly, most clients don't. So I want to pull it back to you for uh, for a minute um, because you've talked about going from not finishing high school at first. <laughs> I knew you'd go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> to where you are now, which is you know co-founder of multiple companies and a huge contributor to the what we know about like modern fitness today you've already written 50 or more accredited courses that people now go through to get their own certifications and how you've gone from one step to the next when you look back on it now what do you think was your guiding force throughout or has that changed Uh, mm, that's a really great question I would today looking back, I've got a different lens than if you asked me a year ago or 10 years ago, right? But the common thread is to truly be of service. I know it sounds really cheesy, but uh, from PTA Global to Pivotal to, to coaching people or teams or kids. Uh, and a lot of what I do is volunteer work in the community. A lot of the teams I coach, like the high schools and the local soccer leagues, it's all volunteer work, right? Is I find that I'm at my most happiest in flow when you're not thinking about the bills or the money, when nothing else matters than that present moment is when I'm being of service to someone as a coach, whether it's as the teacher coach or the sports coach, as a coach. And it could be four o'clock on a, f- a Friday night pouring with rain on Foster Lake, Lakeshore where I coach soccer. And we got our 10 year old kids, our 11 year old kids, our 16 year old high school girls, and it's pouring with rain. And it's 25 degrees. The time just flies. And you get home soaked and cold and you just think, I wanna go, I wanna do it again. And it's those moments where you're like, when you feel that in flow, there's something going on in you. You know what I mean? There's an internal something directing you. So the, the single biggest directing force is that. Is I, I find that when I'm of service to people, I, selfishly, it seems to make me feel really great. <laughs> so maybe that's one good use for being, you know, selfish goal. But, um, and I really do want to know that it mattered to be honest, mate, I, I, I want to know that the work I do matters. I think, I guess I can only speak for myself, but man, so many times you go through life and you think, did anything I do today make a blind bit of difference? Do you know what I mean? Or in some cases made it worse, but you just kind of, at the end of the day, you want to know your life made a difference mm-hmm. to someone or something bigger than yourself. And I think that's the, the biggest directing force I've had is a sense of, I think this makes a difference. I, f- I just have a feeling this makes a difference. I don't know if that answered your question or was too esoteric. I can make it more pragmatic if you want. No, I think that, I mean, it gives me like goosebumps because I think that's what everyone wants to some degree. And I, that's a, it's a really special thing to find your flow. Mm. Uh, I don't know that we can all say that we have it enough, that we, we probably have been in flow at some point in our yes. lives. But maybe we're not attuned enough to saying, this is it, how do I recreate this? Uh, it seems like you do have that awareness sort of around what is the secret sauce to when you're feeling in flow and how you can keep doing it or keep bringing it back as much as possible. Would you agree? Yeah, I think the struggle for all of us, myself included, is I think we do know what that is. They're just an innate knowing, you know. Uh, It's like, I don't know if I love my kids. You know you love your kids, man. You can't find the words you know, right? But life, we allow ourselves to be distracted by what's urgent rather than important, by what's demanding 
and so I've often taken jobs that didn't feel good because the money was a safety net or the benefits were a safety net or whatever it was even though I know yeah there's a big part of that job I think I would love and yeah it's in my industry and then a year in you're like oh this is not me but you go along because now you've got bills and kids whatever. we do and that's real man but at some stage you know you, you can't die with your music in you that's for sure yeah you know what I mean right it's like being in flow is when you, you, you sit down and you're writing and you <laughs> I write a lot right for, for work and also non-work stuff and you're just being flow and you, you have it going you don't realise three four hours are gone and there's 20 pages on the floor and you realise crap I didn't number them because <laughs> you're just you're in flow you know it doesn't happen every day it doesn't and there's, there's things you have to do to reconnect to it when you lose it you know, whether it's prayer or meditation or whatever it is that connects you to that thing. For some people, it is playing sport. It is yeah. dance. It, when you feel disconnected, you better reconnect, you know. You, you have to because that is really painful, being constantly disconnected from your, mm-hmm. your source, your flow. That's a really painful existence. For me, it was. And that's often, I've got to admit, what, what sparks me into reconnecting is how much more miserable do I need to get before I reclaim happiness? You know what I mean? You're like, oh my God, how much more self-pity and se- wallowing in, oh. Sometimes you gotta say, hold on, there's what happens to you and then there's how you react to it. Mm-hmm. And at some stage you gotta say, stop, that's enough. I, I'm gonna reconnect to what makes me feel good. I'm gonna go back to where I'm in flow. And it, it requires a leap very often. And Pivotal started when, uh, two years ago, I've been at Midtown Athletic Clubs as their national director for five years, rebuilding the facilities, re-recruiting new coaches, developing Midtown University. It was a huge project. And I realised that I was getting more into operations again, more into P&Ls again. And that's what the job deserves and that's what they deserved. But in my mind, I thought I could maybe manipulate it to be more education. So it wasn't fair. So I had a wonderful chat with an incredible COO, John Brady, and something changed. And it was like... I need to reclaim what I'm going And he said, Scott, just do what you love and you're great at. He said, that's why I recruited you in the first place. And I went home and I realized I need to make a change. Love the club, love the people, loved, but I wasn't in flow anymore. I made two phone calls on the way home that day to two leaders in the industry that I hadn't spoke to in years. They said, what would you say if I said I was available to write education, deliver education, or teach your teachers again? Within 24 hours, I had a plane trip to China and a plane trip... And I was in boardroom speaking to these leaders. And I came home to Haley and said, I think we need to start a company. But it took, a, it took the honesty to stop doing one thing that wasn't making you happy, but do it the right way. Don't just cut and run, don't consider other people. And then it took this leap of faith, like these two names came to me and I was like, oh, they're leaders, man, should I, should I really call them? They picked up immediately and said, I want you on a plane. And it just was another reminder like, when you say yes to life, it, it conspires to help you, you know what I mean? That's my experience. Mm-hmm. But you've got to do the work. It don't just come. It's not like this Mary Poppins sit around and just hope that if I meditate, good things come. No, you've got to meditate, but then you've got to take action, right? You've got to... It takes a lot of work. Relentless effort, actually. Relentless effort. And that's, I think that's the final piece a lot of people don't see for successful people is, if it sounds like a lot of work, it's because it is probably 10 times more than it even sounds like success is always hard work whether it's in love relationships raising your kids business like to be good at anything it's probably going to take a bloody lot of work 
but if you're enthusiastic and you're in flow more often than not even on the bad days it's like you know what I can do that well this has been an awesome conversation thank you so much for joining me on the podcast Scott thanks for having me I hope I hope your listeners get something out of the crazy um, stuff that comes out but it was an honor it was really nice yeah I said I'll be on the road I'll be back I'm just reaching for a goal so don't be upset when I'm not Hey, Goalgetters, co-host and producer Cindy Kuzma here. Just letting you know that we have coming up for you now a goal from one of you, our listeners. This is another one recorded live at the Michelob Ultra Sweat Working Week Fitness Festival last month. If you want to share one of your goals with us, whether it's a goal you've achieved, a goal you're setting out to achieve, even a piece of goal-getting advice that you'd like to share, you can do that and you could be featured on this very podcast. All you have to do is record it and email it in MP3, wave, whatever kind of file you want to cindy at asweatlife.com. Thanks, and here is you and one of your goals. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not afraid. So I set a couple of goals earlier this year, and I noticed that one thing that I didn't do was have accountability and a plan. So... I find myself now, it's June, and I haven't accomplished the goals that I set for myself because I haven't set those checkpoints to say, hey, you know, how are you going to get there? Have you been doing everything, you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? And then just that accountability. So whether that's telling someone and having them check in with you or just saying, you know, by first quarter, I'm going to accomplish this. And then next quarter, I'm going to accomplish that. And then I just found myself not having achieved anything so for the second part of the year I'm going to reset and visit some different goal setting strategies that are more focused around um, holding myself accountable for those specific plans this podcast is produced by me Cindy Kuzma and it's another thing that's better with friends so please share it with yours you can subscribe pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts including now on Spotify and while you're there, if you could leave us a rating or a review, we would be so grateful. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guest this week, Scott Hobson, and to Tech Nexus for the recording studio. And of course, to you, our listeners.